When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege. Um, I'm not going to get you to do the whole, you know, the sky is falling in Toronto. I think the Steve Dangle podcast did a terrific job at uh, assessing what's going on in Toronto. That doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it. Um, But um, it had me thinking because you're obviously in Toronto, you're covering that team. I'm in Calgary. And as of this recording, they are undefeated. Things are going well in one market. Things are not going so well in one market. If you had to pick... Would you rather cover a team that's doing really well or doing really badly? I'm curious. Hmm. Well, let's be honest. There's a little more sizzle to the stories around a team that's doing maybe underperforming or doing poorly. You know, there, there's a limit to that, though. Like if, if you're going to cover the last place team in a league after a while, and, and I have covered that that team before in the, in the Leafs. Me too. What year is that? 2014, 15, I think it was. Or 15, 16. Anyway, um, you know, eventually fans completely disengage from the day to day of the team because it's pretty clear where everything's going. Um, you know, I think ultimately what we're looking to do, though, is we want people to care about what, what we're the content we're putting out. And, and part of a part of care in sports is Steve Dangle yelling into his camera. Right. It's people that are so frustrated, so fed up. I mean, that, that that's that's its own sign of love, if you will. That's its own side of. Um, commitment to a team. And so I, I think sometimes a team where things are going a, a little sideways, it, it, it is more compelling. I actually don't think, and this is, I mean this truthfully, I don't think it's the worst thing for teams to have that happen. I mean, I hate the word adversity. I feel like it's so thrown around all the time and it, it's kind of a catch all. It's not really specific, but I think you got to go through some shit, man. Any team that has any amount of success has to find itself, has to have some tough moments has to have a period where it looks like everything is going awful and then they find a way within their group or within the, the systematic play they use on the ice to, to get thing, get it back on track. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's most compelling in sports, quite honestly, when, when you're covering teams that are swerving all over the place. But uh, the beauty is we don't get to control it, right? You, the Flames haven't lost a game. That has nothing to do with you. And the Leafs lost to the Coyotes. Oh, wait, everybody seems to think that has something to do with me because. Oh, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You had an opinion. It didn't go your way. You didn't jinx the Leafs. 
Stop it. I mean, stop it to people who think that. I know. I'm just, I'm having some fun with it. But, you know, the truth is, is, is we just, we just sort of observe and, and talk about what happens, write about what happens. But uh, yeah, I think it's more compelling when it's, if it's all good. I mean, that's kind of like, if every story you're writing is like, this guy's awesome. This line's working. The coach is pushing all the right buttons. Like people, it sounds weird. I think people get bored of that too. Um, it's, I mean, sports are a fickle, funny beast, but I'll tell you, I was in the arena on Monday night um, when the Leafs lost Arizona. I actually had a couple fans come up of our pod, but then they had like, they just were so frustrated. It would be like Steve Dangle on steroids. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I think there is a heavy amount of frustration around the Leafs, but I'm not, I'm actually not that sure what the current team can do other than sort of get its act together and win games. But, you know, I don't, as we know, like, I, I just don't, people are freaking out after one game, but it's the same people that said the regular season doesn't matter and just, you know, tell us what happens in the playoffs. So like they're kind of in a no win situation, I think where the Leafs are at. And I don't blame the fans. I really don't. I, I get it. Like there's, it's been a big long build and there hasn't been much release. There hasn't been much excitement. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the sky is falling though. Like I have no, I actually have no concerns about the team in the short term. Um, but you know, it's it's been a kind of spicy first nine or ten days of the season here. Jeez, uh, would you looking at the Leafs situation comparing it to the Canucks situation? Who do you think has it worse? The Canucks, because they're zero and four, at least as we're recording this. And you know, I, I think that the, the concerns about the Canucks probably heading the off season, heading into training camp, heading the regular season, were their ability to defend and. What are we talking about? This record they've set where they've, they've blown multi-goal leads in four straight games to start a season, the first team ever. Well, a product of that is is not being able to, to lock the game down, to not defend well enough. It hasn't all come against teams that we expect to be uh, the best teams in the league either. And so I think I have a bigger concern there. I mean, you could take the glass half full approach, though, and say, well, at least they've built leads in those games. I mean, the Canucks clearly can score. Elias Pettersson's had a nice start individually to the season. You know, I, I I can see them. I can see the path back to them getting it on track. But losing four games out of the gate, as much as there's 78 remaining, it does build. You know, dig a little bit of a hole for them. And and my view on Vancouver the whole time entering the season was that they were going to be touch and go to make the playoffs as it was. And so I think it was more imperative for them. And and it, look, it can still happen. I mean, they're they're one week, one really good week away from sort of being like, okay, maybe this is stabilized. Uh, but we saw last year with the Canucks and, and it cost the people their jobs. I mean, they, they really struggled for two months. And as well as they played from that point on after hiring Bruce Boudreaux, they, they weren't able to really, truly get into the playoff mix. And so, you know, I think they have to turn this around like yesterday. I, I don't see I don't see them having much margin for error at this point. I've got a few more questions about Bruce Boudreaux and about uh, Sheldon Keefe and Mitch Marner, among some other. NHL news and notes like Aaron Eckblad and Jacob Chikrin and, and the salary cap going up. We can get to those on the other side of our sports interaction segment. It'll just be you and me because uh, David Bastel not available for us today. Uh, as always, if you're playing with sports interaction, it's for those 19 and over Ontario only. We ask that you play responsibly and there will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. It's time for You Can Bet That. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go through some more news and notes. I did say I had a few more questions with regards to the Leafs and the Canucks. We can start with the Leafs. Uh, One situation we did not get into, Sheldon Keefe's comments. I said I didn't like him talking after that Canadians game. Uh, He said something after the Arizona Coyotes game. Uh, The big one ringing in everyone's ears. The difference between us and Arizona is that we have elite players and our elite players didn't play like elite players. Uh, It seems as if Sheldon Keefe had to walk that back and uh, Mitch Marner talked to Sheldon Keefe about that uh, after he said what he said. What do you make of this whole Sheldon Keefe saying things and having to clarify stuff? And, you know, it just seems like a bit of a mess right now in Toronto. It, it there certainly doesn't present well publicly, but I think we have to keep in mind, like it's the coach's job to push the guys. Mm-hmm. And I would argue there are a few teams. There, there's a couple others. It's not Toronto only, but like the urgency in this season for the Leafs has to be at, you know, Mach 10. It has to be at absolute panic levels. I mean, we've, we've discussed it already on the pod. I mean, everything is on the table this coming summer, depending on how this season goes. You know, you have a GM without a contract beyond the year. Uh, you have a coach that's very much tied to his GM. You have star players that like Austin Matthews and, and William Nylander that can sign extensions this summer. You've got about 10 players, give or take on the active roster right now that are pending unrestricted free agents. I mean, there's just no security to be found around the league. So I, I don't mind Sheldon keep pushing buttons. And the, the thing is, is what he said after Arizona is true. Through four games, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner aren't on the first page of the NHL scoring list. And they've been there basically their entire careers. I would expect they'll be there in, in pretty due course and for the rest of this season too. But at the start of this year, th- those guys haven't broken through and put up a bunch of goals and points. I, I, I don't know that he's saying that's exactly why they're losing, but, but clearly that's the difference maker between Toronto and some of the teams they play is having those, those kind of talents. I mean, Austin Matthews scored 51 goals in 50 game stretch last year. That's one goal a game that he's good for. Like you start the game up one nothing because Austin Matthews is in your lineup. You know, that, that again, I, I don't have concerns about Matthews and Marner specifically. I think that they'll, it will just come that, that they haven't found their rhythm yet. But I also don't think there's any harm in being honest about what's going on on the ice. And, you know, I kind of like this, this version of Sheldon Keefe. It's, it's a little bit risky. I, I think that just because if you pull out, you know, you, you fire the, the verbal bullet after game one. Now you're sort of calling out some of your bigger guys after game four. And I, and I do know he walked the comments back a little bit on Wednesday, but, you know, kind of what's done is done there. You, you get to a point is how many more moves or tricks do you have to, to try to elicit a reaction? Um, and, it, and it is a long season. But, but also, look, no one here can just be like, ah, it's just one game. You know, I, I think the Leafs, I think the Leafs have really do have to take some steps forward. It's not to say that there's obviously going to be losses for every team. There's going to be the odd night 
where they're playing the fourth game in six days and maybe they don't have a lot of pop in, in the legs. And, and, you know, I think there's sort of explainable things that can happen. Um, you know, although ironically that that game against Arizona was the fourth game in six days to start. The yeah. season. Maybe, maybe there was a little bit of element of that, that, that no one here is really discussing about the team. Um, but, you know, I don't have any problem with him, you know, putting his cards on the table, pushing the guys. Cause I, I think ultimately that's his job. And I, and I don't think anyone here should be here being in Toronto should be just like, Oh, well, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. I mean, I, I, I do think that they will find their way. But, you know, Sheldon Keefe doesn't want them to get 115 points. He wants them to win the President's Trophy. He wants them to show that they're even better than they were last year. And so far out of the gate, that hasn't been the case. Man, I don't know. Look, I'll tell you what. There are a lot of Leafs fans who would trade a President's Trophy for a first-round win. Sorry. <laughs> Congrats. Well, you, 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 want a, you want a team that's going to win the President's Trophy, and you still can't get out the first round. Like, Sorry. I, like, I get that that's the fans' view, but if you're the team, what what can you do, right? Like their last two seasons, last year and the year before, were the best seasons by points percentage in franchise history. So they've already done, they've already accomplished things in a regular season that that's never been done before. I think that they have to set the bar higher, you know, because you have you know you have to go through six or seven months before you can win a playoff game. Uh, and obviously, if you win the President's Trophy, you're going to get a most likely a more favorable first round matchup. I mean, part of Part of losing every year in the first round is they've had some pretty tough opponents. Well, you know, one way you could could tilt that a little more in your favor is is by playing the weakest team in the conference, and and the only way to do that is by having the best record in the regular season. And they still lost when they had that opportunity to beat the weakest team in their division. In all fairness, but still, like I I you man, I really after that loss to Montreal earlier this year, I really was just like, you know what, man, it's just one game. That Arizona game, I'm not a Leafs fan. But I totally understand. Like, what the hell, man? Like, it's so frustrating. Like, you can't get up for Arizona. You can't get up for a team that's supposed to be bad. Like, I don't get why. Like, I don't get I don't get why that should happen. And I think for the Leafs, they really need to get their shit together. Or else by Thanksgiving. There's going to be changes some way or another. And I mean, American Thanksgiving, but like, it's ridiculous. Enough is enough. I get it. It's I, I'm not pushing back on that idea, but they were two, four and one last year to start the year. And then they, ba- I think they lost one game in November. They basically won no- all of November and, and it was moot. I, I'm not saying it has to be quite to that level of turnaround now, but, but I just, it will, won't surprise me at all if they just reel off five or six straight wins. And, and, you know, maybe it's tough from this point in the schedule because after, you know, playing Dallas on Thursday, you know, they're in Winnipeg Saturday, then they go to Vegas and they're in the California trip. You know, it's, it's a long road trip, probably tough to to string together a bunch of wins in all those buildings. But, you know, in general, I I think that by American Thanksgiving, they're probably going to be fine. But I, I agree with your premise. If we're 20 games into this season and they're sort of hovering around 500 or, or you know, that's that's basically the circumstances that were in place three years ago when Mike Babcock got fired. You know, he got fired in November when when they were roughly 20, 21 games into that season and just kind of going nowhere, you know, not not being dominant. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily the coach. I don't know how it's going to play out. As I say, I think that there's a number of potential uh, scenarios here and, and nobody should feel too confident about their position with the organization. Um, unless your name is Matthews or Marner. I mean, pretty, pretty sure those guys aren't being traded in any midseason trades. But, you know, beyond that, it's, 
a lot will have to be considered and, and they've got to, they don't have time to, to figure it out. It's, it does have to happen immediately. And I think that's reflected in the urgency of some of Sheldon Keefe's comments and the way he's pushing his team is he wants the guys not to have that mindset that, Oh, Oh, well, like, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll get our stuff going. Like, like I think that it has to happen, you know, starting now and, and be, be there for a prolonged consistent period of time. Anything else about the Leafs you want to add before I move on to the Vancouver Canucks? I'm probably good. I'm sure we'll be talking again by Monday. There'll, there'll be some other new storyline we're on there. So I'm sure. Um, but with the Canucks, we've already mentioned the fact that things are not going too well for them. What do you think that might mean for Bruce Boudreaux's future? Uh, do you think he should be feeling the hot seat in Vancouver right now? Well, there's no question he's feeling the hot seat. I mean, he's he's been around a long time. You know, he entered the season not with a lot of security on his contract, and there's some expectations there. And, and then you you blow four straight two goal leads. You know, I don't think he's I don't 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 mix my words. I don't think he's in danger of being fired today, but certainly that seat got a lot warmer in the last two weeks or, or ten days uh, with that kind of start. And the it's imperative that they find a way to to reverse course or you know, maybe they'll find themselves in that position where they're, they're making a change. I mean, he's, he's in a weird spot, right? He was brought in last season, you know, I would say got a pretty good reaction out of the roster and certainly put together a, a long winning stretch with the team. Didn't, you know, then he gets, there's, he's got new bosses above him in management, doesn't get a contract extension last summer. I mean, we're, we're not even a whole year into his tenure and we're already speculating about his job. And I think part of it is just, there's, there's this idea that he's he doesn't have a lot of security there. So, you know, the, a, a win in Minnesota will, will will calm things down, and a few wins in a row will really probably settle the situation. But but if if the Canucks aren't able to sort of reverse course, you know, you're only going to hear those those talks get a little bit louder around him. And and you know, the the Canucks, I, I don't know where they go next. They have Mike Yo on their staff, you know, who's coached in the NHL, coached last year. Uh, on an interim basis in Philadelphia as a head coach, you know, maybe they, that that's where they look if, if not, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know that they have a coaching issue though. Um, you know, it's still, it's still to me as a roster construction issue, you know, Jim Rutherford has been pretty open about some of the challenges he was left with uh, from the previous regime, you know, namely a lot of big contracts just barely crammed under the, the cap without a lot of room to sort of pivot and, and change direction quickly. And so, you know, maybe maybe it comes down to a coach being changed there, but but you know, I think that there has to be larger changes, and I, I do believe they know that. It's just you, you can't you can't wave a wand and and do it overnight. It's you know usually a multi year process for a new general manager or president in the case of, of Rutherford to come in and and really you know change the look of a of an organization. Man, Vancouver, a team that I'm still really intrigued about that direction because. I was under the I was under the impression that they weren't going to be all in this year, and then they signed JT Miller to that contract. Now they're fighting with Calgary, Edmonton, LA, and Vegas in that division to to try and fight and make the playoffs. Like they're in a really intriguing spot in Vancouver, and I mean they're not off to a great start. Let's we we know that it's just they're in a really interesting spot. Well. Look, it's weird because they have Elias Pettersson and they have Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko and they have players who are, are sort of star level players and they're, they're not young, young guys anymore. I mean, they're still young and, and they have, they have years where they're, they're still going to be in what I would call their primes, but there there's an internal push to try to build the right team around those players to have a chance to win while they're at their best. And, and, 
you know, it might not be able to happen. I mean, I think that's, excuse me, the, the, the crux of the problem is, is that they have to find a way to be competitive. while these guys are difference makers and they're starting at a deficit. The blue line, it needs, it needs a new look. I think it needs some, some new horses back there, but they're locked in on some pretty big contracts with players on the wrong side of, of their, their best years. And so, you know, that, that's kind of where we're at. And, and ultimately, I guess the coach, you know, we, what have we seen? 13 coaching changes, I think, in the last 12 months, roughly. I mean, it, almost half the teams in the league have turned over their head coach in the last year. So the coach is often the one who takes the fall. But, you know, I think anyone with a step back from that situation is looking at Vancouver and saying there's, there's much bigger issues here than Bruce Boudreaux. Okay. Let's go from Vancouver to someplace warm like the Florida Panthers. Uh, Aaron Eckblad, unfortunately, on long-term injured reserve due to a lower body injury. Uh, what's next for the Florida Panthers or any other insight and thoughts on Aaron Eckblad going on LTIR? Well, you know, what's interesting here is the Panthers are one of the teams that entered this season with basically no cap space to speak of whatsoever. Uh, they've already played one game short of skater, uh, as Edmonton did on open night, as other teams will this year because of of cap constraints. You know, what putting Ekblad on LTIR does in the short term, it does give them ability to, to spend some money and and replace him while he's out injured. But the 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 fact of the matter is 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 it's not considered a long, long term enough injury where they can really go out and try to not to be replacing an Ekblad, but but even add a four or five million dollar defenseman. It's just it's not gonna be possible because when Ekblad was would be healthy to play, you've got to find a way to fit that in under the cap and into the team. And I don't think they can do it. And and so you know, Florida, when, when you look at it and, and any team that loses their number one D, you know, they're, they're going to look way worse when, when you go and, and check their, their lineup after that happens. But, you know, they've, they've got a really tough looking back end right now, uh, quite frankly. I mean, they, they lost Mackenzie Weger too to, to Calgary as part of that trade to, to get Matthew Kachuk. And so that's, that's a couple of, of the, the horses that were on their back end out the door and, you know, the Panthers are off to a decent start to the season. So, you know, there's nothing to suggest here. They can't weather it, but I think they kind of have to weather the storm until Ekblad is, is back and healthy because they're just not in a position with the cap where they can make the kind of move I'm sure Bill Zito wants to make. We've seen him be very active as a general manager uh, when it comes to trades. But, you know, this this is a this is a tough one early in the year, and, and I, I don't think they'll be alone. I mean, I guess, you know, we one thing we could have touched on with the Leafs, of course, is that Jake Muzzin went out um with, with an injury in, in earlier this week and they're, they're kind of in a similar spot there's there's not you know depending on the length of that injury there's just not a lot that they can do short term that they're trying to get by with guys like Jordy Ben or Victor Mete you know for for Florida they're, they're using you know Mark Stahl in their top four for example Josh Mahura you know they're, they're they're trying to plug some holes and and you know this is the reality of a hard cap system when you get injuries it's just sometimes it's sometimes the lineups get get diluted pretty quickly more on the salary cap in a moment, but uh, geez, all this talk of defensemen, you know, sure, it's a damn shame there's no uh, defenseman available for trade. There goes Jacob Chikrin waving his hand, being like, hey, I've been in Arizona all this time. Get me out. What's the latest on that? Well, the latest is he's joining Arizona on its road trip. They're, they're out east here and um, playing in Montreal Thursday. And Jacob Chickren is going to start skating and practicing with the team. You know, I think that the thought is he'll need about a week of, of those skates and practices. 
And then we're getting to the situation where it just goes by field in terms of when he might play, but he's, he's taking the next big step towards playing, which I think is very important here because remember he had a, an ankle issue at the end of last season. He had off season wrist surgery, which is what he's recovering from now. And so I think a lot of the teams that, that have interest in him, we're talking about a 24 year old defenseman under contract for two more seasons beyond this one, you know, relatively cost controlled uh, is, is everyone wants to see him play. And, and what the Coyotes have told Jacob Trickerin is you got to get back and play and play well. I mean, th- this trade happens not, not with him sitting, you know, in the medical room or doing bag skates. This, this trade happens when he gets back in the lineup and, and shows the best version of himself and, you know, gives the scouts that from the teams that are interested a chance to see him and, and you know, have some comfort about where he's at physically. And so that's that's kind of where it is. I'd say it's you're you're sort of in a holding pattern when when it comes to trade talks, but it's an exciting time for Chikrin because he's he's you know getting back to doing what he does, and I think it does pave the way to you know perhaps a deal you know later this year. I think it's pretty clear in this case both sides are are open to that trade, but you know when you look at what Niels Lungfist got in in the deal you know from from the Rangers to Dallas right before the season. You know, we've seen a few other trades for sort of le- what I call less established defensemen. I mean, this is this has got to be a big package for the Coyotes to do it. And and I think that Chikrin's got to hold up his end of the deal to make that happen now. I can imagine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I imagine the Leafs could be hard on him. Is there any other team we should look out for in the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes? Well, you keep hearing about the Ottawa, you know, connection, right? His family yeah. spends time there. Ottawa needs to upgrade its blue line. I mean, there's nothing cooking on that. You know, I think they've they've tried to see if there's a fit and it hasn't come about, but but maybe that happens again. I mean, you know, one aspect of this is Jacob Trickern wants to go somewhere he feels like he can win or be part of a successful team. And so, you know, that that isn't every team in the league. And, and so, you know, who knows? Columbus has had ish, interest in him in the past. You know, I don't know where the, the Blue Jackets season will go. Maybe, maybe they've moved on from that, but perhaps they they get back in it. Um, you know, LA at, at various points has looked at this. I mean, I, I think that every team has to at least consider it, um, just given that he is his age and, and what his contract is at. I mean, if he, if he performs well, um, you know, I think you can connect them to a lot of different teams. But, you know, right now it sounds like the trade chatter has been pretty quiet um, because, you know, he's, he's dealing with two injuries at once and, and everyone wants to see what it, what it looks like on the ice when he returns. Okay. Let's talk about the salary cap. Uh, Gary Bettman says that the salary cap could be going up by about $4 million, uh into next year. Are you able to add some context to that? Is that actually like a likely number? Is that looking more like an estimate? What can you tell about the salary cap? Well, this was a, I would call it a mini bombshell that Gary Bettman dropped us after the Board of Governors meeting this week in New York, mostly because everyone that I had ever spoken to on this issue was pretty clear that they thought the players would be repaying their debt to the owners through the end of this season and into next year, meaning that it, we were still a couple years away from a, a meaningful bump in the cap. The fact that that it's now possible for next season, you know, it changes the calculation for some teams as they plan. It changes the calculation for some agents as they think about, you know, their players that are maybe needing new contracts starting in, in 2023, you know, where where those numbers might lie if, if you get a $4 million bump. And so in terms of the likelihood, the way it was described to me is, I guess the, the governors were told behind the scenes that the league would have to outperform the current revenue projections 
to get to that that kind of a bump, but that it's not like a it's not as though they need to win the lottery here. Like that that it's within the realm of possibility if things go well at the gate this season. And and look, the the reason we're in this position for starters is the NHL actually outperformed its revenue targets last year. You know, last season went better than than the league was was thinking it might. You know, basically coming out of the 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 pandemic lockdowns. I mean, even last year there were games, a number of games played in Canada without fans or with very you know, few fans, but, but, you know, knock wood, I think we're in a position where every game is going to have an ability to have, you know, the building be full this year and, you know, ticket sales drive a lot of revenue. Um, you know, we, we have that 32nd team. And so, yeah, we're in a spot where the cap might go up, which I think, first of all, will will make for a very interesting off season if it happens, uh, just with more, every team having a bit more money to spend, you know, maybe a more active free agent period. Uh, maybe more active trading period too, because teams might be able to consider, you know, taking on uh, those contracts. And so this, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe not news that, that fans at home get all that excited about, but I know a lot of front offices and, and agents around the league look at that as a, a positive. And it is a sign in the bigger picture that uh, that the business of hockey is moving forward, that, that we are kind of emerging from that crazy period of our lives starting in March, 2020. That is true. Uh, one other news and note to get to before we get to stick taps. Um, Bill Daly also mentioned uh, some uh, European nations are feeling some uneasiness about uh, Russian players in the next World Cup, obviously, of Ukraine-Russia the Ukraine Russia conflict still ongoing. What do you make of uh, Bill Daly's comments? Well, they don't surprise me just because, you know, I have a number of, you know, sources and, and even friends over in Europe. And I can tell you, Julian, in, in my con you know, conversations or texts with them is a lot of them are surprised at how little attention the sort of Russian element in the NHL is getting here. And the best way I can maybe try to figure that out or explain that is, you know, if you live in Finland, you share a massive, massive border with Russia. In fact, Finland is actually building a wall, a a giant wall at its border with Russia right now. And and you'll remember if not to dive too deep into politics, but that was once brought up in a recent, you know, U.S. presidential election, that idea. And that that, that yeah. very thing's actually happening in Finland as we speak. And so, you know, there's a real tension there if you're living in Finland, sharing a border with a country that, you know, has invaded another country. I, I can understand that. I think even if you're you're Swedish or Czech, I mean, you're, you're the proximity to the conflict, you know, I think changes your, your views on it or, or changes your, maybe what you think the response should be. And, and you know, look, even Dominic Hasek, uh, you know, was quite outspoken when the NHL had its global series games in, in Prague that, that that Russian players shouldn't participate. Now, ultimately, they did. They weren't kept from doing that. But, you know, the fact that th- that's the view from those countries, those are the same countries that theoretically are going to participate uh, in some way, shape or form in the 2024 World Cup that's being planned. And, and they don't want to face Russia in, in a game. So, you know, I think it's interesting that Bill Daly revealed that, that that's been made, but it's it's going to be a very difficult situation, I think, for the league to maneuver. I mean, so far they've stayed about as apolitical as you can in it, I would say. I mean, they did shut down their, their Russian site and they, they stopped doing some business with Russian companies. Um, but, you know, they haven't brought about any sort of sanctions or, or penalties against Russian players that, that play in the league. Um, but, you know, we, we might be, as we start talking about this event more and more, because, you know, February 2024 is, is on the horizon. I mean, we're talking about 16 months from now, the planning is well down, well down the stage of, of you know, finalizing agreements with TV partners and, and where it's going to be played and all that. So as we start talking about those details, 
a big question is going to be, is the Russian team there? And if they're, if they are there, I would suspect some of these nations might consider withdrawing themselves. And so, you know, it's, it's going to, one way or another, as I say, the NHL stayed out of the politics largely of this, this dispute and, and tried to, you know, carry on as, as normal, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that forever because they're going to be forced to either, you know, likely play a world cup without Russia or potentially play one with Russia and, and have a few other European nations not want to participate. Um, some slight topic change. Has it been announced where the next world cup will be held? Not yet. I, I think it's going to be held in a couple different cities. Wouldn't be surprised if, if one of them is in Europe to start. And then, you know, you have the final games played in, in a North American city um, but you know, it's not all locked down. I don't have the info, so I don't want to, I think there's still a few cities under consideration, but that, that'll pro- rather than if you remember the 2016 world cup was done entirely in Toronto. I mm-hmm. think that there, there's going to be a little bit more variety there. You know, it's hard to sell that many tickets to that many games in one market, even, even a big market like Toronto, you know, the, the attendance wasn't as, as good at, at points of that tournament as I think organizers would like. And so they're, they're looking at different ways to, to maximize, uh, the, the impact it can make. And they're already not going to get a team North America. So I completely understand why fans would be so disappointed. <laughs> Here's the thing about that. And I love team North America as much as anyone. I was at the team North America, Sweden game, which was freaking electric. Like Matthew scored a goal in the first minute. That was crazy. You know, you have the, the, the overtime when McKinnon ends it against Lundqvist. Like it was, it was an awesome game, but you don't, you're not always going to have that kind of collection of talent in any given under 23 class. And so I think that's the danger of maybe reviving it is, is that that team works so well because those players are, are all the stars of the game now, right? Like go down the roster. It's McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews, Johnny Goodrow. You had Aaron Eckblad on D like, like they were stacked. Mark Shifley, like guys that went on and on to have great parts of their careers. And they were, a lot of them hadn't popped yet. Right. I mean, in the case of like Austin Matthews, he hadn't played in the NHL at that point. Um, you know, maybe in February 2024, we have the same circumstances. You know, you've got young Connor Bedard, right? But I, I, I don't know. Owen I'm not in power. Ex- Maddie Beneers. Uh, here's the thing. I'm not, I, I, I haven't done the exercise. I haven't sat down and actually tried to figure out what the, it would look like. But I would, I would have concerns if you put that team in the tournament and they get, they lose every game 5-1. We, we, we might not think back on the experiment so well. So. Yeah, the, the NHL said they're not going to go down that road. I mean, if I would guess, I haven't asked anyone this, but if they don't have a team, Russia, for example, I would imagine that it's just another European nation that, that's going to get a chance to come in that wouldn't maybe be part of it. You know, ultimately, it was a gimmick that worked, but it was a little gimmicky, right? I mean, I hate to be like, I think they want to build this World Cup. Like, I'm pumped for the Soccer World Cup that's starting, you know, next month. Like, next, I think month. They, next month, buddy. Uh, I actually have some TSN colleagues that are going to Qatar this weekend because they have to be there early to set up and get ready. So it's, it's that close. Um, but I, I would say that you want to build it into where the nation, you know, you're, you're to more of the national event that it's intended to be. And so you've got to, you've got to let countries come in. You've got to let maybe some of the weaker nations come in and deliver an upset. You know, that's, I think that's how you build it out. Um, but th- that being said, rest in peace, Team North America 2016, because that, that it was a special time, it was a special team, and it, it really worked. And it's a shame they didn't get into the playoff round um, because it would have been fun to see them play Team Canada, for example. For sure. That being said, like the 
the last is the last thing I'll say on it. Because if I end up talking about this team, there'll be a whole other podcast. The enduring moment from that World Cup is Nathan McKinnon beating Henrik Lundqvist. Do you remember anything else? I mean, I'm sorry. You were there, so maybe you're the wrong person to ask. But I can't pick out any significant highlight from that last World Cup that is more significant than Nathan McKinnon undressing Henrik Lundqvist. And, like, sure, yes, Canada won, but, like, there's no, like, one moment that, like, is better than that. I don't know. It was, just, it was a cool time. It was a cool moment in history. Maybe we won't, we won't ever get it again, but... Long live Team North America. What I remember, and, and I agree with you in terms of a moment, but I remember is how great Crosby was in that tournament and Marshan on his line. And, you know, at that point, when we're talking six years ago plus, Marshan maybe wasn't getting a lot of the respect that I think he's gotten since because he was still at that point really associated with all the suspensions and things that had happened earlier in his career. And, and to see him play at that level, I remember how eye-opening that was. And obviously, like if, if we had had NHLers at the Olympics earlier this year in early 2022, like I think that would have those guys would have played together because it would have been that enduring. But, you know, part of the reason we don't remember international stuff the same way we did is the story is untold. Right. We haven't had chapters to read. It's, it's such a shame we haven't seen best on best. You know that that to me, the World Cup isn't perfect. I'd rather see the players at the Olympics myself. But I, I st- we're at the point we have to see a best on best tournament. And so. You know, I think that uh, it's good news we're going to get one in February 2024. But uh, as I, as we mentioned here, there's there's some it maybe won't be true best on best because some of the best players might not be eligible to play. Speaking of chapters, have you ever thought about writing a book? Every once in a while, and then I try to bang that idea out of my head because I just can't imagine how much work goes into it. I, I respect all of our colleagues, anyone who's an author out there. I have like immense respect for the discipline it would take to write for that long and to, to produce something that long. I'm sure I'll get to it at some point, probably closer to when I'm in semi-retirement and, and have more time to do it. But uh, I, I don't feel that compelled right now just because I am I'm have full respect for what a commitment it is. Okay. All right. So uh, no book for you yet. I would love to write a book. That's a dream of mine. Uh, I think I will one day. But uh, yeah, I'm in, the same, I'm in the same boat. I'm a little too busy to get a book done. Anyway. Uh, stick you, should, you should have a certain amount of experience in your career before doing it. Now, there's, there's some exceptions yeah. to this, but like you want to have real perspective before you sit down and really try to put something that exists in book form, right? I mean, yeah, you got some years yet, my man. Yeah. Um, stick taps. Uh, this is where we show some love to uh, someone either in the hockey community or adjacent or whoever we really want to, if we're really being honest. Uh, do you have a stick tap? Uh, I have one that's a bit interesting. All right, kick us off then. Um, my stick tap is for creative nicknames. Uh, I love creative nicknames in the hockey world. Feels like we've been short of them the last little while. It's so easy now to look at a player and just shorten their last name or their first name and add like a Y at the end of it or just try to make it one or two syllables. When's the last time you heard someone with a creative nickname or a great nickname like the great one or um i mean the golden brett at one point for brett hall for example like there are so did, many great names did count as as creative or is that too too not creative i feel like that's one of the last decent ones like we don't have a cool nickname for austin matthews do we have a cool nickname for nathan mckinnon what about for for kale mccarr those are some of the great Connor players McDavid. do we have any nickname for him i can't think of a nickname for Connor mcdavid so yeah it's a damn shame we don't have too many creative nicknames uh, going around the NHL nowadays that might change 
with uh, one player who we've already recognized uh, through our segment, Arbor Jackeye. Uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet from uh, Eric Engels at Sportsnet. Oh, I he apparently uh, uh, had a little back and forth with him. I'll read the back and forth off his Twitter. Uh, Eric Engels, the Jackeye, uh, you need to come up with a more creative nickname for Yaroslav Slavkovsky. Uh, Jackeye says he's working on it. And then Eric asks him, What's yours? Is it X? Because Jack I, for those who don't know, spelled X H E K A J. And then Jack I's like, yeah. And some guys call me Wi Fi. You know how like a Wi Fi password usually looks something like my last name? Wi Fi. I love this nickname. I love it. And look, Jack I's cool with it. So I'm cool with it too. Arbor Jack I being nicknamed Wi Fi gives me hope that we can come up with creative nicknames. For hockey players again i love that idea because i'm tired of just hearing you know i mean i don't know what we could call Connor mcdavid or connie or whatever i mean kale is there for kale mccarr in terms of the you know the the lettuce but like come on man like give us something better man like this is gonna bring us to a whole other era if we can come up with a little bit more creativity for players nicknames those tick taps for those guys in those locker rooms coming up with creative ass names for players I've got a creative nickname, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so great. Did you actually have like a cool like I get called J Mac, which I guess is still not really like a the most creative nickname. But like, I guess CJ's yours. And I don't when know if there's any kid, other one. When I was a kid, my nickname was actually Tiger. Oh, and it's funny. There's oh. still people in Coburg that that refer to me as Tiger, like people that if you've known me long enough, like the OGs, I'd say. Okay. Um, when I, I was when I was a kid, I, I used to wear a Detroit Tigers hat that my neighbor had given me. And and I was on a soccer team with a kid with the same name. And I was kind of an aggressive player, I think, like a little bit determined. And somehow my coach got calling me Tiger and it stuck for, for many years in my I'm talking my youth. There's nothing to do with Tiger Woods or anything like that. It's even we're talking even before Tiger Woods had really risen to prominence. Um, and I was actually back in Coburg at Thanksgiving and I was buying some groceries and someone goes, Tiger. Like, and it was like an old <laughs> friend I hadn't seen in a while. So, yeah, anyway. But, it, yeah, CJ is CJ is what most people call me in, around the industry these days. Yeah. Uh, Tiger, though. I mean, I won't call you Tiger on the show, but uh, now I know you're, you're Tiger. I'll remember that. Uh, what about your stick tap? I'll just do a quick one. I'm going to stick tap the Philadelphia Flyers because we spent a lot of time hating on the Flyers or did. knocking them down. Not just us. I mean, I think the, the broader – Media world, the hockey world, they, they lose Couturier in camp. You know, Ryan Ellis, unfortunately, doesn't look like he's going to be able to resume his career. And, uh, you know, they, they, what do they go and do? They, they wheel off three straight wins out of the gate. I know they lost on Wednesday, 4-3 to Philadelphia, or to Florida, rather. But let's, let's give some props where it's due. I don't know where the season's going. Maybe they're headed exactly where we all predicted. But it uh, must have been nice to be in that dressing room, to work through training camp, and to – you know, give us all something to quit talking about. So stick tack the Flyers, at least while they have a, a good record in the standings. Yeah, for now, we'll see how that lasts over the next couple of weeks. But hey, maybe they continue to prove us wrong and they end up being the biggest surprise uh, in the National Hockey League. Who knows? Anything could happen in the National Hockey League. Siege, thank you as always. Uh, we will be back on Monday with a brand new episode. You can get your questions in now for Ask CJ. Be sure to check out CJ's newsletter as well. <clears throat> I don't know why my voice is going, uh, but yeah, check out all the things. 6 a.m. wherever you're recording, bud. It's like 7 
Yes, it's 7.30 where I'm at now. It's very early in the morning. That's why I keep drinking these water bottles. Um, ask CJ, join the SDPN Discord. Uh, subscribe on uh, YouTube. I believe the SDPN YouTube page just recently passed over uh, 70,000 subscribers. So uh, slow clap for everybody. Uh, or you could do it a little slower than I'm doing right now. Yeah, anyway, I think that's all the housekeeping we need to do. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. In peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.